0: All right, I want to start with a story as the children are being dismissed. As you've probably been wondering all along, what is up with that? Why is there a plane on the screen? Make sure my remote's working. And then you might also be wondering, is something wrong with the projector? or the big black stripe on the side? Well, that's actually this right here. So there we go. <laughs> Let me start with this story. A businessman had to travel to a small town for a meeting and he invited his wife to come with him. She was excited about the trip until she learned that her husband was going to be flown to the small town meeting in a small twin-engine aircraft known by many as a Cessna. Honey, I've decided not to go, she said. Well, why not? I do not want to be flown in a tiny, itty-bitty twin-engine Cessna. She replied back, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Her husband smiled and said to her, Honey, your face is too small. What's wrong with a small twin-engine Cessna? She replied back, No, the plane is too small, not my faith." The businessman and the husband really wanted her to go with him, so he canceled the small plane and booked travel on a major airline for much more money. His wife now went with him because, as she put it, her faith grew because the size of the plane grew. The object of her faith determined how much faith she decided to have. Now, I'll try and read these slides to you because I don't know how much is missing there. But here's the thought to start with behind that story. What is the object of your faith? How clear is your understanding of this object? How big is it? How powerful is it? What does it control or what does it not control? Here's my main point today. Faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. It's a little bit of a tongue twister there, but I think it's powerful. Faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. And here's another just really strong point that I've really enjoyed for the past few weeks as I've been thinking about this sermon. Faith leads to life. Life leads to faith. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But here's the thing, as we talk about faith... Oh, I uploaded the wrong PowerPoint. As we talk about faith, we're not talking about Faith Bovey. I had a picture of Faith Bovey up here, and maybe now she's thanking me. God protected you from having an embarrassing picture up there. But we're not talking about Faith bovey. We're talking about faith in real life, faith in God. And, you know, faith is nothing new. I saw a lot of faith this week as we had a major accident happen with Leanne, with one of the children. Oh, there it is how'd that come up? How'd I miss it? Maybe I had it at the wrong spot. Anyways, not this faith. What I saw was Leanne had to go to to the hospital via ambulance. Well, Grandma had to go to the hospital via a helicopter. And what we saw was faith that we put in doctors, that we put in medics, that we put in the ambulance drivers, that we put in so many things of knowing they know what's best. They know more than us. You know, you guys also have faith as you're sitting in those pews, not knowing which one of those pews I've unscrewed all the bolts out of. <laughs> now, maybe if you rock a little bit back and forth, you are know, because you feel that the pew is loose. Okay, I'm just kidding. I didn't remove any bolts. But here's the thing. We all have faith in life. But before I get too far, I want to go back here. We are in the fourth week of a of a series I started before I went back to Ohio to visit friends and family titled Discover Discipleship. And in week one and two, we focused on the basics. We discovered what is a disciple? Who is a disciple? What do they do? How do they live? A disciple is an ordinary person, an ordinary man who serves an extraordinary God. We talked about have you connected with God, Have you trusted in him? Have you truly professed that he is Lord and Savior over his life? Because you know what? If you have, that means each and every single one of you are now disciples of Jesus Christ as you follow after him, as you walk in his ways. And that was something else we talked about in weeks one and two is walking with God. Your whole life as a disciple should be walking with God and trying to walk more in his ways in everything that you do. In all your choices, in all your thoughts, and in all your actions. And then week three, we started a different direction as we talked about worship. You see, the first two weeks, we're talking about what is a disciple? Who is a disciple? And then with the third week, we started to move with the direction of how does a disciple live? And we started with worship. Worship our whole point of living here on this creation that God made is to worship Him, to glorify Him. And that's in all we do, not just in song, but in our lives. Our lives should be focused on worshiping Him, glorifying Him in all that we do. As we do this, we find that we encounter God. We grow closer to Him and we please Him. There is a right way to worship God and to please Him. So again, today is week four, and we're going to be talking about faith. We're talking about how faith leads to life, and life leads to faith. We're talking about faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. You know something else I loved about those barber shoppers? As they were singing, they just had this big smile on their face. And I believe they've all left the building, so I can say this, and I mean it with all positiveness, and to sound good, but it might come across, sound weird, but some of the smiles looked a little creepy, because you're, you're seeing these great big smiles as they're singing, you're thinking, how can they do that? Here's why I bring that up, and what a great illustration. They're smiling while they're singing and glorifying God, worshiping Him together. We can smile while we say this. Faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. I put that second face in there for a reason. Faith, in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. We face it front on, head on, and we can face it with a smile that only God can give us. So here's what I want us to do. You've all heard me say it several times now, and you can see it right in front of you. I know this makes some of you uncomfortable, but I'm sorry, we can get over it And I'm not going to know who doesn't do it anyways. But I want us just to read this out loud. Okay, on the count of three, we're just going to read this out loud. But here's the thing. You're going to read it out loud with a smile on your face, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. Thank you. Next time the guy leading shouldn't be the one with the microphone because I'm going to be the one that throws you off. But faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. And we can do it with a smile. And as we do it with a smile, Satan and all his armies, all his supernatural spiritual armies that are being thrown our way, they kind of get creeped out. They think, oh, wow, that guy has a connection with God. That guy's not scared. He's smiling. How can he be smiling right now? But it's because we have faith in God. And no matter what's coming at us, no matter what's being thrown at us, we can have faith. With that, I want us to open up our Bibles. So if you want to begin to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And you may want to also, once you're there, flip over to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. And if you want to put your finger there or put a bullet in there, we're going to be referencing both of these. But we're mainly going to be in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 28. And as you have that, please stand with me as we read it together. And once you're all standing, I'll know that you all have it. Thank you very much. So as we read today, I'm reading from Matthew 8, 23 to 28. When we read this, I'm going to get out of the way from the... Goalpost. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Thank you. You may be seated. As you're being seated, I want to read to you from Mark. And if you did turn to there, you're welcome to flip over. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And we read this. On that day, again, I think it's just important to read our cross-references and read the context, but it says, On that day when evening had come. Very important detail. Let us go across to the other side, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And said to one another, "Whose in is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Even the wind and the sea obey Him." We're going to decipher these. We're going to dig a little deeper here in just a few moments, but I want us to look a little bit in the background here, into the background, where he was at now. You see, Jesus is in the midst of his life on Earth, in human form, yet still God, fully God as well, fully human. Yet fully God. He has been teaching the people. He has been healing the people. Jesus was king of the promised kingdom. And when Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. He explained that his kingdom was totally different than the world we live in. The people still did not fully understand what he meant by this. They they didn't fully understand all that he was in control of. And all of what his kingdom was. But because of his ministry that he has been starting here, they fully knew that Jesus was walking the ground that they were on. They, fully were, they were starting to take notice of him. But why were they taking notice of him? Jesus went all over Galilee. He there he taught in the synagogues. He preached the good news of God's kingdom. In Matthew 4:23, we read that he healed every illness and sickness that people had. Think about this. In Matthew chapter 8 alone... And this has been a very fun study for me. I've really just loved. We've been studying Matthew in our Thursday morning Bible studies and working through these. But in Matthew chapter 8 alone, we read that Jesus healed a man with a terrible skin disease called leprosy. He healed a paralyzed servant just by speaking. He healed Peter's sick mother-in-law. And he even drove evil spirits out of many people. During all these miracles... I want you to see that during all these miracles, Jesus' disciples were right by his side. They're witnesses of all the amazing work that God was doing, that Jesus was doing. And Jesus was very careful to explain all of these things to his disciples. He would often lead the crowds to think through what he had said. But he would often lead his closest disciples into a time of intimate study as he would explain to them what's going on. Jesus also taught in a way that no one had ever seen before. When Jesus spoke, people knew of his authority. There was something different about him. He was in charge. He knew things that nobody would know, and he did things that nobody could do. But now we come back to Matthew chapter 8, where we're at today. Jesus was unlike any other teacher, and one day Jesus was teaching near the Sea of Galilee, which if you look at a map and you look at the sizes, the Sea of Galilee was actually more like a great big lake. But it's a lake which was known to, first of all, be fished by many people, but second of all, to have huge windstorms come upon it in an instant. Now here's the thing, remember I said, I I always say we should look at cross-references and we should look at context. We need to look at the before and see what's really going on and as we look back to matthew chapter 8 verse 18 so just a little bit before we read this because let me give this context as we read from our scripture today Matthew 8 23 it says and when he got into the boat his disciples followed him when he got into the boat why is he getting into the boat What's he, what's he up to? Well, that's why you, sometimes you got to look at the context. Look beforehand. Look to cross-references. As we look over to Mark, we see, Mark chapter 4, on that day when evening had come. As we look previously to Matthew 8, verse 18, it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Sometimes we have to piece things together. And we see that Jesus, after preaching, after teaching to a large crowd, evening had come, and he's instructing his disciples to take him to the other side of the lake because they need rest. Jesus is fully God, but he's also still fully fully human, and he still needs to rest. So he went to the other side of this great sea, to this lake. Now, why go to the other side? Again, if you were to look into some... Research and study the context, see, well, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where they'd be going, is much less populated. They didn't have the large cities of that area to draw these large crowds of people. Now, also, it's just obvious. Why go to the other side? Because you're getting away from the crowds that are here. Sometimes you need to get away from what you're involved in so that you can rest. Because it's harder. Even Even the good things can sometimes bring you down because everybody needs that time to refresh. I'm a very extroverted person, and I I love just getting up here and speaking to you guys. But if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that almost every Sunday I go home and I'm just drained. I need that time to take a little 30-minute nap, or at least I try to take a nap. Normally I lay down for 30 minutes, and it's more just resting. We all need time to rest and to refresh, and this is where we're at. Jesus told them to take him across to the other side. When they first got into the boat, Jesus must have been exhausted. Jesus is fully God, but also fully human. We talked about this. So when he's finally away from the crowds, he went to the back of the boat, laid his head on the cushion, and fell asleep. You know, this is kind of ironic, because again, if we look just before this, we see this. In Matthew chapter 8, it also says, And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus found somewhere to lay his head, but he doesn't have his own place to rest. He's just resting wherever he can find rest. But here he's just so exhausted for the day, or maybe it's because he just knew Here's the time I need to teach these disciples. I need to show them the faith they have compared to the faith they should have. He lays down his head, and he falls asleep. Now, ironically, again, it also seems very ironic that the moment he is in this deep sleep, the skies and the sea suddenly burst out and become uncontrolled. We won't look too far into that today, but it is ironic to me that the moment Jesus is sleeping there. Everything just burst out of control. We could also think about our Lord Jesus sleeping. What does Jesus dream about? What is going on in his mind as he's sleeping there? In such a deep sleep that he's not being awakened here. Such a deep sleep that the boats are filling with water and the disciples are becoming terrified. What are we going to do? The boats are going to sleep. And it also says... um, we are about to perish. Well, what are we going to do? You know, I'm sure there's some people in here who are afraid of lightning and thunder. Or maybe, even if you're not afraid of it, you just hear that loud crack of lightning in the, uh, or thunder in the middle of the night. It just shakes you. It wakes you up. Can you imagine being stuck in a little boat? Now, this probably wasn't a big boat. It was a little boat, a little fishing boat and they're stuck in a storm. I've been stuck in storms on a little fishing boat before, and what's crazy is I remember getting to shore, and I look back and I'm like, that's what I was afraid of? But when you're in a little boat in these waves, you don't realize that maybe it's not as bad as what you think. But here's the thing, these are fishermen. These are professional fishermen, and he's in their boat, and these fishermen were used to these storms. I wasn't used to these storms. I was like 10 years old at that time. But these fishermen were used to these storms, and they were frightened. They probably did everything they knew to do, and they just couldn't figure out what else to do. The boat began to fill with water. And now they went to Jesus. To the disciples' amazement, Jesus only had to speak a few words, and the storm became silent. The wind stopped. The water was still. He spoke and the sea obeyed. As we read it says it ceased. It ceased. That's a powerful word again. I, I just love words. And I think about, and I'm, I'm not an English major. I'm, I'm not good with grammar at all. That was one of my worst topics in school or classes in school. Because I just wanted to be outside playing basketball all the time. But I've grown to love words because you look at the meaning behind them and it says it ceased. It ceased. Cease doesn't doesn't seem to mean Jesus spoke to the clouds, the sea, the storm, and 30 minutes later, after it passed over, it slowly came to a stop. The waves began to gently roll little by little. It ceased. Jesus had shown the people his control over them, over their illnesses. Over even the spiritual beings of Satan, the evil spirits, and casting them out. Well now we see Jesus' control over creation. Genesis 1:3 though tells us that God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the same way God spoke the earth, the plants, and all animals into existence. We shouldn't be surprised because in the beginning, what did God do? to create everything he spoke it's in the power of his spoken word that everything came into ex- in into existence and now in the power of his spoken word everything ceases everything stops he is in control his spoken word was powerful. Nothing in nature could ever disobey his command because he created it all. The storm's obedience to Jesus' command gave further proof that Jesus is God. John 14, 27 tells us that Jesus brought peace where there had been chaos. Jesus had shown his might and power over his people, but now he shows his might and power over all creation. What power? That even the waves and the skies, the storm, obeys his word. Jesus knew, though, also just how afraid the disciples were. Jesus can easily know the hearts and minds of your very soul and what you're going through. And Jesus knew that the disciples were afraid. They were very afraid. They were terrified. In fact, now they're even still terrified, but for a different reason. But initially, when they wake up Jesus, it's not really because they have faith. They have faith that Jesus can control things. They've seen him do many miracles. But I think it's more a plea of desperation. Jesus, save us. We're perishing. The the boat's filling with water. Either either wake him because they're saying, Jesus, hurry, we got to get going. The boat's filling with water, and it's a plea of desperation to save not just himself, but also Jesus... Or B, they did have faith that God could control it. But they've already tried to control it on their own. They're already terrified and afraid instead of just going directly to Jesus. The disciples have been witnesses that Jesus could speak over an illness and it would be healed. With just a word, paralyzed legs could walk again and blind eyes could see. Time and time again, Jesus saw Jesus perform these miracles. For them to see and then explain them to them. The disciples should have known of his power. They did not have faith that he was the son of God though. Or they did not understand the true power that the object of their faith controlled. O oh, you of little faith. We talked earlier about a small plane. The lady put her face in a small plane and her faith grew... When her object of faith grew, when the plane grew to be a bigger plane, her faith grew. Well, a lot of times that's the problem with our faith and with their faith. We don't have a big enough vision of who God is. We don't have a big enough idea of knowing who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. And as we look to creation, to Genesis... When they're speaking of God created, God spoke, and if you look in Greek, that is a plural word. It means it's more than one. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all there at creation. Jesus has all these powers of God. And we need to put our faith in him. They needed to put their faith in him. Jesus slept. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to focus on that. I'm going to try and start bringing it to a close here, but Jesus slept. Jesus is still God and human, so did he know this storm was going to come? Did he somehow allow this storm to happen so that the, the disciples would see themselves, how their faith had to grow? Or did he know this storm was going to happen, but he just didn't care? It didn't worry him. Because he's Jesus. He's God. He's in control, not the storm. Or did the storm happen because he was asleep? Which now we know Jesus is never asleep. God is never asleep. God is always with us. Let's go back to some application here. That statement that you made with a smile on your face. Faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. Faith leads to life, and life Leads to faith, calming the storm. And I love that. Faith leads to life. Because it's when we have faith in God that it leads to us, to us having life. From the very beginning of our relationship with Christ, we look, when we put our faith in God, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's what leads to life. Abundant life, life which never ends, life which will last for all eternity. And then our life leads to faith. The more that we're placing our life, our trust in Jesus Christ, the more that leads to a faith that cannot be shaken. But not just that, it leads to a faith that leads other people back in that circle. Of faith leads to life. It's kind of a circular argument or a circular statement, I know it. Faith leads to life, life leads to faith. Because our life living for Christ leads to other people coming to faith, put their faith in Jesus Christ, putting their faith in God. The storm that the disciples were stuck in helped them see that they did not have enough faith, or at least not the faith that Jesus wanted them to have. Here's the thing, the storms that we have, the trials that we have in our lives, they can do the same thing. They can help us to see how much faith we have and how much faith we should have. They help us evaluate where are we putting our faith. What type of object do we put our faith in? Is it big enough? Are you struggling to have faith that God is in control in your life? Are you afraid? Are you looking to Him for help? Or are you looking to other things? If your first thought in a difficult situation is one of fear, then you do not have faith in the constant, solid rock of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to continue that statement in a little bit because I do know it's, it's natural of our, of our sinful selves, our sinful lives, to try and solve things on our own. And we will have fear. So I'll continue that in a moment. But I also want to go back and present another idea of the disciples. Some people say that this is actually an illustration of just how much faith the disciples did have. Say, the disciples had a lot of faith. Because look, they awoke Jesus. They knew Jesus had the power. But again, I think if we look to the whole context and we look around it, we see that they didn't have enough faith. In fact, it even says of Jesus telling them, Oh, you of little faith. They had faith in Jesus, but they, weren't, they didn't have a big enough object to really understand who he was and what he was in control of. In the presence of God comes peace, as He is our refuge, our strength. And we read in Scripture, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters war and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Psalm 91.2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. These are only a few. There are hundreds of references to God's word speaking of the faith that we can have in him. When we put our faith in him, we have this refuge. We have this peace. We have this strength. We have this comfort. This comfort, so much comfort that when we say things like this, we can smile. We can have joy because we know we're not alone. Faith. Faith is the most important part of this story. So let's talk about faith as we begin to wrap up here. Remember how a few weeks ago, when we studied about worship, we were, we learned that there's a right way to worship. There's a way of worshiping God which pleases Him. Well, we also read in Hebrews eleven six that the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now that goes back to the very beginning basics of faith. We need to put our faith in God. Or we don't even have a relationship with him to begin with. And we can't please him if we're disconnected from him. So what exactly is faith? If you look it up in the dictionary, it says that faith is confidence or trust in a person or thing. And that's a good definition. But Hebrews 11.1 tells us faith is being sure of things that we can't see. Sometimes we struggle with that. We only want to put our faith in something that we can physically see with our eyes. But we need to look beyond our eyes. We need to look to what God's told us in Scripture. What's been passed down generation to generation to generation. But not just that, to the effects of all creation. As we look around us, we can see that God is in control. The faith that Jesus spoke of was having complete trust in Jesus. Knowing for certain that He is God being sure that he is in control, being positive that he can do all things, including calming a terrible storm. If the disciples had this type of faith, I don't think Jesus would have scolded them or rebuked them at all. But as we see, Jesus did not rebuke his disciples for awaking him. Jesus rebuked his disciples for their lack of faith, their small faith. Maybe that's because they tried to do things on their own first. Or maybe what I really think it is, don't know how that just switched back to not this phase, but maybe what I think it is is this. They came to Jesus terrified. Wake up, Jesus, we're about to perish, save us, help us. If they truly knew who they had in the boat, the faith that they have, they wouldn't be worried. They have Jesus by their side. Their absolute fear showed that they did not trust Jesus could save them. Luke tells us that the disciples screamed, We're going to drown. We read, We're perishing. The boat's beginning to fill. Why would they scream, We're going to drown, if they were dependent on Jesus by their side? Fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. In your heart and mind, there's either fear or faith. Our natural state is fear. Because some situations are scary, right? We don't know the future. We know that bad things happen. Some things are just way too big for us to handle. But when, we, but when we receive God's gift of faith, when we receive the spirit within us, we know we're not alone, and we're no longer slaves to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of because even in death we are victorious because he has been victorious over death. Even in our suffering, We have one by our side. Give us comfort and strength. Here's a lovely little quote I found. Fear says, This situation in my life is too much for me to handle. Faith says, God is in control. He will handle this for me. Fear says, I'm not sure if God is strong enough to handle this. But faith says, Again, not that faith, but our faith in God says, Nothing is more powerful than God. Fear says, I'm not sure if I can trust God, but faith says God only wants what's best for me. Now, here's this thing I said I wanted to continue about fear. There's probably nobody in this room that has never had a thought of fear. We all get scared, we do, but those thoughts should be quick and should not stay in your mind for long. And I understand this is hard. Satan loves to bring thoughts of doubt, of fear, But facing God should push out those thoughts. We need to remind ourselves God is in control. We need to stop focusing on how big your problem is and focus on how much bigger your God is. And sometimes our problems are so big that we just can't see over that mountain. And that's why we need other people around us who are on top of that mountain looking down to say, keep on walking, keep on climbing, I'm up here, I can see the end of the tunnel, I know there's light. Stay strong. Focus on how much bigger your God is. You can get past this situation. I want us in closing just to look at this thought. The disciples' reaction. How did the disciples react to Jesus instantly calming the storm? Let me read that again. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm... And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And they marveled. In Mark chapter 4, read, And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? They were terrified, but for a different reason. They asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? They marveled. They were amazed. They were stuck with wonder because the wind and the water obeyed Jesus' command. But of course the wind and the water and the seas, the skies obeyed Jesus. He created it all. We see in God's word that all things in nature obey Jesus. Jesus had power over all nature. We see that Jesus had power over all sickness and illnesses as we see his miracles over them. We see that Jesus had power over all the evil spirits. And we see that Jesus even had power over death. The only part of creation that ever dared to disobey Jesus is mankind. We have a choice today, we always have a choice. Are we going to have faith in Jesus? Are we going to put our faith in God or in the things around us? Are we going to put our faith in a little airplane, a little Cessna? Or are we going to know that we can't even imagine how big this object is? Will you choose to put your faith in Jesus? If you do, you'll live in faith, not fear. You will know that Jesus is in control of everything that touches your life. You can relax, you can live in peace, depending on Jesus, to calm your storms. And sometimes, those storms will continue on. But we know that we're not alone, because Jesus controls all of creation. And when we we trust in Him, we know that He's right by our side. We have the Spirit within us to give us strength, to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us love, to give us a smile on our face. You know, in Matthew six twenty-five through 34, we read of, I'm not reading it today due to time, but we read of how we should not be anxious. God takes care of the birds of the air. He takes care of the lilies in the field. How much more will He take care of you? Even in our storms, Jesus is with us. Look to Him. Sometimes the storms are here because we're not including God in our daily lives, choices, action, thoughts. This storm came once Jesus was asleep. There's but one storm to fear, and the storm to fear is a life without God awake and by your side. The storms are easier with the Lord by our side. Again, storms will still will still happen. These disciples were with Jesus. They were doing his will. Jesus told them, Take a, take me across to the other side, and the storm still came. But Jesus was in there with him, with them. And Jesus is with us in the storm as well if we put our faith in him. You know, I started off with this saying that faith in God gives courage to face all that comes our way. And we can do it with a smile. As I was walking out of the office to come here, I saw that somebody wrote a quote on a little dry erase board that said this. Don't let the world change your smile, but let your smile change the world.